Okay, so that was a video. We have actually shown that video before here. It is uh, from this group called The Bible Project. And the, if you want to go online, thebibleproject.net or .com or something like that. But they have these videos that explain ideas, big ideas in Christianity and do it in a way, well, they make a video of it. So I want to open some prayer before we look at the Word, and I'm going to come back to it, and then our family ministry will, will leave. But would you all join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, uh, today we're looking at your Word and looking at holiness. And the thing is, we cannot be holy without you. And holiness is not what we do, it's who we are. It's who you are, and you must be in us. So I pray that we would look to you and find that we don't have to be uh, approved by anybody because you have approved us on the cross. And I pray you would just open up our minds and our hearts to your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, are y'all taking off today or are y'all staying in? Taking off? Okay. <laughs> there we go. As it's, uh, as it's made me a little bit uncomfortable, not knowing, y'all clap then. And uh, for that like, kind of awkward moment, I didn't know what our kids were going to do. There we go. So um, anyway, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. We are, started last week a series, a fall series, that we're calling In Not Of, In Not Of. Who's heard that phrase before as a Christian, like talked about as Christians? Okay, a couple of y'all. I've heard it before as that we as Christians are to be in the world and not of it. Because we live in the world, but we're called to be different. Actually called to be, and this passage we're going to look at today talks about it, holy in the world, uh, not of it. It's both as Christians, but, but also we can, uh, we can feel in something and not of it very, very often in life. You don't have to be Christian, okay? Anybody ever felt like a misfit? Okay, a few. Like I feel like a misfit all the time. Thank you for you bold folks that, that raise your hand. I feel like a misfit all the time. I call myself, I mean, I'm like a mutt. Okay, anybody feel like a mutt? You know what a mutt is? You know, it's like it's dull, you know, like it's kind of, I don't know, maybe different spots, or different, like it's mutt. And, you know, sometimes we can feel that way in groups, social groups. Sometimes we feel that way in schools. Sometimes we can feel that way in churches, unfortunately. We just feel like we're in something, but we're really not of it, and just feel like a misfit. And I really believe as Christians, we should feel like misfits all the time in our world. And, and actually, the way the world is moving culturally, truth be told, if, if we really live out our faith, we're going to be more and more of a misfit, more and more of a mutt. And if you really try to straddle the fence, and I lived a lot of my life straddling the fence, my mom and my grandma would always tell me that. I mean, you're, you're going to get uncomfortable because you're going to try to have one foot in the world and then, oh, put one foot in church. And many of our Christian lives are like that. You know, I got, I got one, or maybe it's a toe. Maybe it's not even the big toe, you know. But I got something in there, but everything else is, is worldly. So I really think the Bible calls us to be misfits. And that as Christians, right now, we're, we're really living it out. We're kind of mutts, okay? So holiness. That video is about holiness. And, and I showed you that video. And it was a bit long. And the reason it was a bit long, because it went across just about the whole Bible if you notice that. Started way back in Leviticus. I know that's like such a popular book in the Bible if you've uh, read through it. 
But it talks about being holy there. Isaiah, Ezekiel. Then it got to Jesus, who we like. But it talks about that, you know, often we see holiness what we do. And the video showed holiness is given to you. That, that Jesus touches people who are broken, like us, who are sick, like us, spiritually sick, who are ill, like us, who are people like women at the well, whether you're a woman or whether you're the man. And His holiness, His purity comes upon us. And He heals and He restores. And then the video went on about that, that we are His people and that, that our lives should be, and I love the, the metaphor of a river and water. It should be an overflow. And I want to stress this. Holiness is not what we do. It should be this overflow of joy in our lives, into relationships and into the world. And often we look at it the other way, that it's, oh, I've got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, I've got to follow. And we don't have that joy in us. It's not an overflow. And you can sense that about people. And I, I'll be honest, I, I've struggled with it as well. And I struggle with it, and many of us struggle with it, because the opposite of holiness is sometimes what we have, and that is shame. Shame. We're ashamed of being a misfit. We're ashamed of being a mutt. Uh, We're ashamed of never meeting the mark. Uh, We're ashamed of, of not meeting people's expectations. And we work and work to make sure, you know, our kids don't have to deal with shame. We do. That's what it's all about, trying to get your kid in the right baseball team, in the right school, in the right club, with the right friends, in the right fraternity, in the right sorority. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you, okay? Like, I don't want them to deal with that shame. The opposite of holiness is shame. The biggest struggle in my life is with shame. It's not addiction. That has been a struggle, too. But shame is my biggest issue. And it's because I'm ashamed of not meeting people's expectations. The gospel, the good news, is him saying, you don't have to meet anybody's expectations. You have met mine because of what Jesus has done for you. And the posture of Christianity should be a posture of rest. Yes, we are active, we go to Spain, we go to the world, but there needs to be great tranquility in our activity. And for for many, there's not. It's just, gotta go, gotta go, gotta do, gotta do. And there's no rest in what Jesus has done for us. You're struggling with addictions, you know, there's shame. You're struggling with who you are, there's shame. And we never look to Jesus. Uh, We look to friends, we look to people whom we want them to approve us. We don't look to him up here. And I I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again, because some of you weren't here, and, you know, it's football season, so I'll say it maybe next week, because there'll be other folks out here. But, like, how do you look to him as Lord and Savior? Do Do you look at the stained glass window up there, And do you remember yourself as that little baby sheep? Because if you remember yourself as that baby sheep, what's he doing with the baby sheep? What's he doing? Holding it. He's carrying you. And then some of you are like, well, you know, I'm I'm grown-up sheep. But if you're a grown-up sheep, you always remember when you were a baby sheep and Jesus was holding you. And I've said this, if you don't remember the time you were a baby sheep, guess what? You're a baby sheep now, okay? Because there's some folks, I've always been. No, you're not. (laughs) You're just lost in your own pride and ego. You're still a baby sheep. So, 1 Peter, getting to the Bible, talks about holiness. And it gives us, I believe, real inspiration about living a holy life. And it's not activity. it's, It's Jesus. It's looking at him as Lord.
So I'm going to start with verse 13, read through verse 25, the end of chapter 1, 1 Peter. Again, the series is in, not of, so we're focusing on how we live as Christians, really how we live. Verse 13, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So holiness. How do we live holy lives? first verse that we read, verse 13, it starts out, therefore. And whenever anybody in the Bible writes, therefore, you have to look at what was written before, because he was like making a point, and then he said, so therefore, because this is true, thus, this is how we, this is how we live. And so I want to, we covered this verse last week, but we really didn't get into it much. I'm not going to get into it a lot today. It's, honestly, you could probably preach a series on this verse. Verse 12, look at this, it says, Things that have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, in this last phrase, things into which angels long to look. So you think, if you're an angel, I mean, you're kind of like, I mean, you got it together, you know? I mean, you're, you're in heaven, you're in the presence of the glory of God, and yet here, he's saying, yet angels long to look at something. What is that? I'll tell you what it is. It's our salvation. It's that our creator also became our savior. And if this doesn't like even just begin, begin to flow some living water in you, then, then we really need to check the pulse of our Christianity. And like, what do I really know about this, this gospel? Because I believe, I believe like angels long to look at what Jesus did. That the creator is also the author, author means, you know, he wrote it, of our salvation. And so that God sought upon himself to save us, that we were destined for death and hell. And yet God didn't just come to us as a sweet baby, which is good, and we'll celebrate at Christmas, but he died on the cross. And so angels like longing to, and I I take this as like angels who have been angels, because he created angels too. He didn't just create the, the earth and the, and the world. So these are, I believe this is like angels who have 
been there for, you know, eternity, and they're like, man, this is just so awesome. So awesome. And, it, and if it doesn't bring you joy, then there are a lot of other things that are bringing you joy that will ultimately one day disappoint you or fail you. So we have to start with our holiness just looking and realize these are, these are things that angels long to look at. And then it goes to verse 13. He says, preparing your minds. And I do, I got it. We're talking about holiness here. I got to focus on this because my mind, um, you know, I remember things. And let me be more clear. I remember images, okay? I remember images uh, on screens that I see. And so you can say, well, I'm living a holy life, but I'll watch this, okay? It, it has no effect on me. It has an effect on me. It's filed away. And I remember that picture. I remember that image. Are you tracking with where I'm going here? Okay. And so a beginning of, of living a life is keeping our minds safe, like really safe. And like, well, if I don't do anything, I mean, you're not okay. It's filed away back there. And in our day of Internet and everything on the Internet, uh, I was convicted to preach this. And I heard this, well, I read this quote this week, and I want to share it with you. It's by, um, it's by John Mayer. Anybody know who John Mayer is? Who knows who John Mayer is? Raise your hand. Okay, I get a lot more hand raised on that than some of the other questions I asked. But anyway, that's, uh, that's okay. You'll probably remember this quote more than you'll remember anything else. It's okay. I know how, I know how we roll. Me too, okay? Probably much more than 1 Peter 1, but it's okay. That's just that's why we need to come to church, okay? This is what John Mayer said about things he sees on the screen. Uh, this was uh, an interview a couple years ago. Convicted me. He said, I'm a self... Oh, by the way, this is a... This, well, I'll tell you that after I read the quote. He said, I'm a self-soother. The internet, DVR, Netflix, Twitter, all these things are moments in time throughout your day when you're able to soothe yourself. We have an autonomy of comfort and pleasure. By the way, pornography... You wake up in the morning, open a thumbnail page, and it leads to a Pandora's box of visuals. There have probably been days when I saw 300 naked women before I got out of bed. Internet pornography has absolutely changed my generation's expectations. How does that not affect the psychology of having a relationship with somebody? It's got to. This is my problem now. Rather than meet somebody new... I would rather go home and replay the amazing experiences I've already had. What that explains is I'm more comfortable in my imagination than I am in actual human discovery. Uh, this book is called, uh, and I like the title, Divine Sex. Uh, some of you may be like, I'll tell me where to buy that. Um, but uh, it is about how we as Christians in the church need to see uh, things outside of God's parameter of sexuality, which is a man-woman marriage, and how we can understand all that's going on. But a lot of it happens on screens. And so, you know, this verse, preparing your minds, you know, often we'd be like, well, to be holy, you know, just got to act. We file away stuff all the time, and it's there. So we need to be conscious of that. Prepare your minds for action. Go down to verse 14. Here's where he says, actually verse 14 and 15. 
Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Stop right there. Uh, That's a direct quote, you shall be holy, for I am holy, from this verse in the book we've already mentioned, Leviticus 19.2. And God says, be holy as I am holy. Now, the translation of that word holy, and this is not like too much overhead, it makes it really clear. The the original Hebrew word for holy uh, meant separated from, okay? And the Greek word, because Peter writes in ancient Greek, also means blameless and separated from. So when you're holy, you're, you are in the world and not of the world. You're, you're separated. And there's no shame because you're blameless. Now, how, do you do, how can you live a life like that? Here's the truth. We can't. I mean, we can't in our own action and our own, well, I'm just going to white-knuckle it. You know, I'm going to do a good job. I'm going to make my list of, you know, here's what I'm going to accomplish this week and get it done and I'm going to live right. And, and you're, going to, you're a sitting duck for Satan when you do that at some point. So how do you do it? The one who makes us blameless is Jesus. And you really have to, like, know. And not just believe. Like, I believe, I believe, I believe. I know we sang it. But know what you believe. Know that he makes us blameless. He took our blame and our shame on the cross. And that posture of being a Christian is one of rest. I, can re- I don't have to prove myself to everybody. Jesus already said, you're good. You're good. And some of us, for us type A, I mean, that's a struggle. I mean, I want to do. I want to change the world. And I want to rock this thing out. Yeah, in our broken, jacked up minds and bodies. Yeah, we're really going to do a great job without Jesus. Okay? So, to be holy here, to be blameless, that's what it means. To be separated. It starts with Jesus. And the only way we like have him day to day is we allow the Holy Spirit. We sing about that too. Spirit of the living God. Control our hearts. Control our minds. Control our thoughts. Submit ourselves to the will of the Spirit over and over. Daily disciplines over and over again. And in time, he does make us more and more Holy. Now, there are, as we get down this passage, I do think there are some steps that, like, you could take. And so, for for those of you who are like, hey, I want the points, give me me an action step, I'm going to give you that too, okay? But at the same time, I I preface all this, because I like that, I like the action steps. But instead of doing this, you really got to, you got to know it. You got to know it. And, you know, there's a great great quote from... uh, a guy named D.L. Moody. He was a preacher, pastor in the early 20th century. You know, he said like this, and he was talking about holiness. He said, you know, lighthouses, I love lighthouses. Lighthouses, they don't just like ring bells or fire cannons to let you know that they're there. They just shine. And I have been, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to travel all over the world, and I've been to some places that are very, very desolate, uh, in the sea, Australia, New Zealand, Tasmania, it's part of Australia, and they have a lot of lighthouses. And you're just out there in the middle of like nowhere, and just the lighthouse shines. And I think a lot of us, that should be how we look at Jesus, because we feel desolate, and we feel lost. And we come to church and put on a good 
face, but the light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He did say in Matthew, you are the light of the world as a church. But he is our light. And he's always shining. He's always there. He's our light. And he doesn't have to ring bells or fire cannons. He just shines. And when we have him, we do the same. We don't have to say how good we are. We don't have to say, you know, we don't have to be holier than that. We just shine because Jesus is in us. So as we go through three quick action steps, fear, faith, and follow. Made it real simple. All, all F words. Fear, faith, follow, okay? Fear, faith, follow. How to be holy, fear, faith, follow. How to be holy, fear, faith, follow. Say it over and over again. It's in this passage. First one, fear. Verse 17, if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with, what does it say there if you follow me? Fear. Throughout the time of your exile. Anybody like to be afraid? Anybody like that word fear? I don't. Who likes fear? Raise your hand. Thank you, nobody. Okay. And here it says, conduct yourselves with fear. And that's kind of like fear. I've got to be afraid? Here's what he's saying. Do you fear man or do you fear God? Because most of us spend our lives, and, and we fear man. Uh, do we want man's approval or God's approval? Most of us want man's approval. Forgive me, women, or men and women's approval, okay? But we're not, like, living for the approval of God. We're living for the approval of others. And we worry about what people think of us. And we worry about, well, will they like me or not? Or we, we worry about not fitting in. And if you fear God, I mean, it changes the way you look life, the world. And then some of us, you know, it also says here, if you call on him as father who judges. Some of you here may be like, and I hope there are people here who think this, like, man, I don't like a judging God. I mean, I like, you know, Jesus healer and, you know, resurrection, all that. God is judged? No way. Well, the Bible is going to trouble us because it talks about God as judge. I want to put two verses up here. One, 2 Corinthians 5.10, you can make note of it or you can just read it. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, that to me brings a, a fear of God that I will have to stand before God and give an account, uh, as will you, even if you're a Christian, you're like, whoa, God's not a judging God. Well, there's actually two judgments in Christianity, okay? The first one happened on the cross. And God said, I'm sending my son, and he's going to take your shame and your guilt and your sin, and I'm going to wipe it clean, and you're saved. But then, as we grow as a Christian, and this happens because the Bible says it happens, we'll stand before God. So that gossip that we do, give an account. That envy that we have, give an account. That pride, give an, and, and this sobers me. This keeps me up at night, okay? And it's a healthy fear. Actually, I think it's a fear. This other verse, Acts 2, 43, put that up there. And all, oh, that's a bad translation. What's it say? And all, it's supposed to say fear and all. Anyway, my bad on that one. Anyway, it says fear and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. But that word all there also means fear. Like when there's an awe, like I think it's so awesome. So it's like a holy fear. And when you have that, I do think it changes how you live. 
then you're more worried about what God thinks than what a person would think. You're, you think about, well, I've got to stand before God and give an account. And there, there is an awe about him. And, man, I think a lot of folks need that. I think a lot of folks need holy fear. You want to be holy? Have this fear of God. Have this big vision of God that he's going he's to talk to you one day. And you're going to talk back to him, you know, direct. What are you going to say? Fear and then faith. Faith is what we like. It's a good word. And Peter then brings, but I think the fear leads to faith. As you go down, it says, verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed. Anybody ever paid a ransom for somebody? You ever read like, you know, mystery novels or thriller novels and, you know, someone is stolen, you got to pay a ransom for them? So Jesus paid a ransom for us. So we're caught in the depths of sin, deserving of death and hell, and he paid the price. Do you believe that? Faith says, ransom from your futile ways. Verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times. Look at this, for the sake of you. Let me ask you this, do you believe that? This is is as crystal clear as it gets. I know you'll walk out and remember that John Mayer quote. I would rather you walk out knowing this quote. Because this will, that quote and him will die. As it says later on, this is imperishable. This is the only thing that lives forever. And it says, as clear as possible, for the sake of you. Let me... Make it even clear. For your sake, for your sake he died. For your sake that you could have life, that you could have breath, that you could have freedom from guilt and shame, from doubt, from worry. For your sake. And then he goes on, who through him are believers in God. Do you believe this stuff I'm talking about? Do you believe? And if you're like, I don't know, then I'd rather you just admit it and let's, let's wrestle with the scripture. Let's talk about it. Let's pray together. Let's love on one another. Do you believe this? But if you have this healthy and holy fear of God that leads to a fervent faith, then you want to follow. And Peter closes, verse 22, having purified your souls by obedience to truth. That would mean obey. You follow, you're like, what's truth? This is truth. Paraphrasing the video, but it was Leviticus through Revelation there. And that obedience leads to a sincere brotherly love. I, I take that to mean not a fake brotherly love. You can see fake brotherly love all the time, but it's sincere. It can be so like, me and you differ, and you have a different opinion, and I'm going to love you. You have a different lifestyle, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you with all I got. You have a different way of looking at it. I'm going to still love you with all I got. You're of a different race. I'm going to love you with all I got. You speak a different... I'm going to love you with all I got. You have a fence towards me. I'm going to love you with all I got. Not because of a feeling, because of truth. And, and there should be this joy. I keep coming back. It should be an overflow. To trust and obey. You know the old song? I've never, I've never done this. I'm going to sing a little bit. This is an overflow. My, my wife's like, no, please no. I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing. You know, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Do you you believe that? Trust and obey. There's no other way 
There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And that is born again. And he uses those words, verse 23. And you're born again by by this. The word of God. Jesus is the word. And it's good news. It's good news. You know, I'd I'd close with this. I mean, that image of, and I've thought about this a lot, and uh, I've been convicted, my wife's convicted me, others have convicted me. You know, is, is your Christian life an overflow? Is it an, you know, it's interesting that the one person outside the disciples that Jesus first said, you know, I am Lord. Who was it? Anybody know? Who was it? Outside the disciples that he said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm God, I'm he. Who was it? Anybody guess? The woman at the well who had had like four husbands and was shacking up with a guy and was of a different race and he, he disclosed himself to her and he said, you know, if you have me, you will have Living water. That's what it means. She was at the well, the woman at the well. He said, I'm, I'm living water. And so really, holiness is so often seen as activity and do and like holy roller. It's Jesus. And then it becomes this overflow. And that overflow, we need that here. Like here, like in this, in this house. An overflow of joy. And, and maybe it's been, you know, I mean, we all have different idols, and they can be pride, ego, a social network, a school, athletics, you know, sexuality. Jesus is living water, and it is an overflow of joy. We need that here. Our city needs it out there. You're like, well, what do I do for all us doers? Type? Well, for those of us who want to do obedience to truth... Trust and obey leads to sincere, not fake brotherly love. So if you're like, man, I'm just so type A and like capitalist and America driven and I got to get my goal. What do I do, buddy? You just said rest. Well, if you're just starting there, obey, trust and obey and leads to sincere brotherly love. And I've been that way a lot in my life. And the way God has led me is like, man, just rest in what I've done for you. And it's an overflow of activity. And there's tranquility in it. And you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You can rest in Jesus. And there's joy in that. And I want us to have that. And we need it here. Our city needs it out there. Our world needs that. To trust and obey. And you need it. And if you're like, man, I'm good. You all need it. You all need the living water. That's why we come to church to be reminded of that. Or to know it for the first time. As Tyler said, whether you've been here a hundred or a thousand times or today, it's, it's all about him. So why we put the stained glass window front and center. He's carrying you, and if you're beside him, you remember him carrying you. And he'll probably carry you again. Look to him, living water. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that we don't have to just, we don't have to be perfect because you are perfect. Uh, we don't have to just, live lives of constant activity because you've said I came to give you tranquility and rest. So man, I just pray that we'd, we'd look to you. We'd, we'd know who you are, what you give, and we would trust and obey. Thank you, Jesus, for these people that are here. And I, I pray that an overflow can either begin or, or, or be renewed to 
trust and obey. Thank you that, that you offer that freely, anytime. And I just pray that you would make us see the idols of success and wealth and sex. Just, they're, they're not going to cut it. And, and we would look to you and you would give us true life. Your name, amen.